Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with sports, travel, tours and the divisional weekend. The best weekend of NFL football in the season is in the books. We're going to have a guaranteed new Super Bowl team from the NFC, someone we've not seen for some time. And on the AFC, well, it's business as usual as we face off for Brady Manning 17 next weekend. Ollie joining me at the scene of Saturday Night's Crime. We'll explain that in a moment. This is the Gridiron Show. Indeed, hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours, Sports Travel for sports fans, by sports fans. And the reason I mention we're at the scene of the crime, Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter, we're doing this for the first ever time in my living room. I thought you sounded different, and so do I. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? This is not pure laziness. We've bought lots of new and exciting equipment so we can bring you during Super Bowl week, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six podcasts. How many days are we there? my target. Uh, we're there for eight days, but Whoa. we've got to have a couple of days off. Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, we're going to be on Radio Row. Ollie's going to be out doing some fan experiences. We're going to have Matt Sherry covering the AFC team. We're going to have Liam Blackburn covering the NFC teams. We're going to have interviews galore. So much content from out there. And so we bought a load of new stuff, and we figured, well, we're going to have to be doing this in a in a hotel room in San Francisco, in the dingiest part of town possible. Literally, our hotel spills out into the Tenderloin, where all of the homeless people live. Ooh. So that's so be I'll, fun. I'll feel right at home. <laughs> Uh, you said it, not me. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'd get in there early. I love the fact, well, the potential that Sherry will have to cover the Broncos. Oh, that would be amazing. I, th- I reckon genuinely if he got the Broncos, he'd make Liam switch with him. Liam, do not switch. <laughs> Hashtag pray for Liam. Uh, so, yeah, we're recording. And do you know what? We've been recording for all of three minutes. And... Um, uh, my wife is not only in the room with us, Sarah, who you hear us talk about regularly on the show, she's refused to speak on mic. But I did the intro, the first thing she did was look at me and go, why isn't Ollie talking? No, 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 she didn't. She was saying uh, that you were too loud, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Never, surely not. Uh, so, Ollie, first of all, before we get on to the divisional round, and there are so many games to talk about from this weekend. So, well, not so many games, but so many exciting moments. We have literally, I think, one of the best... Stop playing with my cats. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we, had, we had one of the best playoff games I think I've seen in my lifetime on Saturday night. Uh, we had Intrigas, where every game was within a score. And, of course, on Sunday, the Panthers uh, blew out the Seahawks, yes, as uh, Cam well, for Newton, half a game, uh, as Cam Newton put it, it got tight butts at the end. But uh, <laughs> have you seen his post-match press conference? It's so funny. Him talking about tight butt. Uh, in the space of twenty seconds, he must say tight butts like fifteen or sixteen times. It's incredible. I also like that he said that he should be on the hands team. He should be on the hands team. Right, I said this on Five Live. When we had Josh Norman on the show, he was talking about how Cam lined up at receiver in practice against Josh Norman to prove, basically, that he could beat Josh Norman in a one-on-one situation. If he's got good hands, why wouldn't he be out there? He's like six foot six, built like a brick house. I would put him on the hands team. Should go on the hands If Gronk can go on the hands team, why can't... Who's, who's made a glass, why can't Cam Newton? And to be fair, Thomas Davis, who caught the... Uh, we'll get on to... We'll talk about the games, but just to point out that Thomas Davis who did catch the onside kick to kill that game off had three ACL surgeries you know he's not a guy who's injury free but he went out on special teams made the big play the Panthers are through the Seahawks are out and I am delighted Ollie Hunter who would have thought that three out of the four games would have been would have finished with pretty much onside kicks ah nice that's a very that's amazing isn't it uh, we will get on to all of that as well but Ollie as is you know customary 
how have you been mate i've I, you know i you seem pretty chipper so far but having spent saturday night together uh you up and down i would have thought your mood might have been by now have you recovered from yeah. what was an incredible game but must have been a tough loss on saturday night yeah but th- it's kind of strange because it was a really tough loss but when it's to the cardinals and king larry as i am calling him <laughs> uh, the most likable man in the nfl yeah, it's kind of, you kind of the Japanese fighting fish, for those who, who don't know who we're talking about. Um, it's kind of... You can almost take it. And, and especially after the double Hail Mary, I don't care what you say, they were two Hail it's Marys. It's not a Hail Mary, and I'll tell you why it's oh, not a Hail Mary. Get out of it. It's not a Hail Mary. I, I, no, I'm, Ollie, you've not even let me speak yet. The first one's not a Hail Mary, because the definition of a Hail Mary is essentially throwing it in the general direction of the players and hoping somebody catches it. That first pass out yeah. of his own end zone Was is in Janice. stride. It's an incredible throw. It's one of the best passes I think I've ever seen in my life. It's ridiculous in the sort of play that only Aaron Rodgers has been making in the league in recent seasons. And to go, the ball travelled over 60 yards in the air. He absolutely pinged it. And it was right into his stride, into his hands. Uh, you know, I felt like I could have caught that. I could never have run quick enough to get to where it needed it to be. But if he'd thrown it over like 20 yards in the same sort of throw, it was so perfectly into his hands, not even I would have dropped it. I've also got an apology to make to you. Wow. Hold on. Hello. Not waking you up after that first one. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, right. We'll talk about, we're going to break down each of the games one by one. And we, uh, we asked you on Twitter. And it didn't get such, last week we did as our Twitter question, uh, which of the teams who lost in the wildcard round have the best chance of succeeding next season? I thought, let's switch it up. Let's do the opposite this week. And let's ask people who has the best chance of missing out on the playoffs this year. And we had a much lower it's amount of It's response. too hard a question. It's too hard a question because all of the teams... they're all really good teams and you can't see what they're going to do in the off season to make them worse and and bring them down to the level of those guys are trying to make it into into the playoffs i just it's i think it's a an impossible situation because uh for instance Steelers are going to have people return the packers are going to have jordy nelson come back they're going to draft better but the chiefs are going to have jamal charles their defense is incredible and the seahawks are the seahawks so it's (laughs) it's it's too hard a question for people to to answer and pick out one team that's worse than all the others i i, I think you you overstretched yourself in this one well i spent most of my day paying attention to uh which teams i felt had the best chance of not making the playoffs next season and the areas they had to improve in so i did the work and i don't understand why our listeners couldn't have done so also this is technically our first ever live podcast because sarah's here and i've slipped into it immediately (laughs) but ollie was all over the idea of a live podcast and we've not asked people this at gridiron on twitter there's some talk about next season doing maybe a live show maybe doing one in london maybe pinging a couple around the country as well if there's if if there's the one for it. i the thing is i can't see us going to a venue in manchester and like selling out 150 tickets or something i'm sorry i just genuinely don't well, see no, look, it but... and we don't have the behemoth that is sky behind us but i reckon people wouldn't mind coming to see i hope so <laughs> that was me adjusting the microphone which i'm going to cut out later so it's going to sound no different to you people at home but uh i uh, I, I thought i'd fess up to it as well um 
the uh, at Gridiron, I haven't done any of the shilling or anything. No. At Gridiron on Twitter, get in touch with us in there as always. Gridiron-magazine.com for all of our content. Some really exciting stuff going to be happening there. In the next week, Matt Sherry is heading out to the AFC Championship game to watch the Denver Broncos with our competition winner, Luke, and Andrew Hill from Sports Travel Tour. So we'll have loads of content from there. We'll have interviews from the locker room afterwards. It's going to be fantastic. So loads of stuff to check out there. And our Super Bowl party. And now neither me and Ollie are going to be there, but there's one person in this room who is going to be. And it's not the little ginger cat who's just settled in by Sarah's legs. It is my wife. My wife is going to be there taking photos. So if you see a beautiful Hispanic woman taking photos at the Super Bowl party, go and introduce herself. Say, Mrs. Gavin, I listen to the podcast. Big fan. Can I buy you a drink? Because I'm not giving her free drinks tokens. Some kind of freeloader yeah, or why, something. Why would you? Yeah, yeah. ridiculous. That's a muttering. It's such a whisper. whispering. I think he can still pick you up when you're whispering. So, yes, go for it. Go nuts. Cough away. I'm leaving it all in. But go. You, you do what you need to do. Sarah sat doing work on the other side of the room. Uh, I also. Because we're doing this fantastic, exciting uh, trip away, uh-huh. and we have this new podcast set up, uh, uh, the sound drops have become a big feature of the show. They've always been there, but this year people seem to be requesting them on a regular basis. Well, tight spiral balls was a, a request. Tight spiral balls. So we <laughs> a request. <laughs> we have created, or well, I didn't create the app. I didn't design this over the weekend. I have an app which has all of our sound drops on an audio board. So at any point, I can just drop in a. Uh, and I can drop in a... For the bang? Or a, <laughs> What's that one called on your sound drop board? Ollie Schmoozes. Of course. For the bang? Uh, and I've got... What else have I got? Oh, I've got a... You like that? You like that? We might retire that this year, though. Plenty of the music as well. But why did you want to download this? I downloaded it. Why would we retire that? Uh, what, do you like that? Because it's it's got a bit bored. I don't like the whole thing about him... So you don't like that? everything. Exactly. You I, don't I, like that? I don't like that. Okay. Um, but what I found out... I, I made the Gridiron soundboard and I was all excited about it. And then I pressed back and I discovered... There's a whole other set of sound effects that we could add into the show, Ollie! So if we say wanted to be presenting the show... From the beach... Ooh. In Hawaii, I don't know why Hawaii, but, uh, <laughs> Hawaii. Then you know we could be doing so, or maybe you know the forest by night. Oh, that wouldn't be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I sometimes Ollie, I love you so much. I just want to snuggle down with you under a duvet during a thunderstorm. Such a good romantic movie. <laughs> So I'm going to get really annoying with these later on. The the, the yeah. worst ones... Later on. <laughs> the worst ones aren't necessarily the atmospheric sounds, which are pretty annoying in their own. Some of them mis- miscellaneous sounds are weird. There's like a guitar strum. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. um... If you're listening in the car, we apologise. Something called Monster Yell. <laughs> that's, that's haunting. I quite like that one. I'm going to do that one on Ollie whenever he's irritated. There's some beats on here as well. Oh, bit, bit of Bangra. <laughs> bit of Bangra. And, and my favourite part of it of all, the animal sounds. Oh, we should do that whenever we're talking to Simon Clancy. <laughs> <laughs> whenever, we need, whenever we need to cut across Simon Clancy and shut him up, we'll just play in a bit of that and it'll be quiet. That's right. I promise you that's the last of it other than the normal sounds. And uh, brilliantly this week, people got in touch with us with suggestions of new sounds. Yes. Uh, so we, I, I've loaded this thing up with like four or five new things. So obviously, I mean, from last week. Rabbit, we know how 
Ram it. How much have you been singing that over the weekend? Yeah, well, just the phrase ram it. People have been thinking I'm mental. Even if <laughs> at home, when I, when I was watching the games at home, I would just bust out a ram it every so often. Ram it. Ram it. um but did you see uh obviously the titans this weekend let's do some news the titans this weekend uh confirmed that mike malarkey would be staying on in the head coach role for next season now partially i understand this because uh it wasn't a good coaching availability this year okay they could have gone out and tried to get a tom coughlin uh, maybe somebody like jim schwartz who's still out there and on the market but clearly those kind of guys are going to command big contracts six million dollars seven million dollars a year and the titans owners are absolutely desperate to sell up at the moment so for me you hire malarkey you bring him back in on the cheap and you know that when new owners come in next season or even during the season they have the opportunity to get rid of their guy, that guy nice and quickly, bring their own guy in, make their own decisions. I, I think it makes the team more sellable, actually, than they would be if they were semi-successful with a decent head coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Titans are, t- are so uninteresting that it's difficult to put any other spin on this. Let's not forget that Mike McC- Malarkey... He's 18 and 39, his career record. Amazing. Terrible. And th- he was, Let's when not he was. Let's Chip Kelly, he's like 27 and 21. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, when he was appointed, he said, on- ominously, I'm a good football coach. Not I'm an excellent football coach. Not I'm a brilliant football coach. I'm a good football coach. I know I know what changes need to be made. And unfortunately, I get the Where's chance. Where's he from? Cha- I get the chance to change them. <laughs> the reason I'm introducing this sick little beat. This is a Titans fan who has made a rap about re-signing Mike Malarkey on YouTube. It's incredible. <laughs> It's that bit that I absolutely love. I'm not going to play the whole thing because there's about another four minutes of it. But uh, as our first honorary new drop, it had to be. I quite like that. (laughs) Tell me, of the Titans roster, who are any good? Uh, Delaney Walker, tight yeah. end. I love uh, you. Completely throwing this to me on the fly. Um, I, I, their offensive line have got some interesting pieces, but they are the guys. They went out and uh, picked up guys in the draft and went out and signed a bunch of free agents. And I can remember uh, when they took a guy in the top of the draft. I think they took an offensive lineman at the top of the draft this year. This is a man live googling. <laughs> um, well, they took a, a, a lineman this year. I thought to myself, well, why have they done that when they've got six starting linemen already? But despite having so many guys there, they were never really truly able to protect Mariota. Mm. There's no one at running back to speak of. At receiver, there's a bunch of guys who are like twos and threes, but no standout number one as well, far I as I can see it. Doriel Greenbeckham could be that number one guy next year once he's learnt the playbook, learnt what he needs to do as an NFL receiver. <laughs> he's so big. He's like a, a faster 
tight end but playing at wide receiver. So that's kind of interesting. There's guys, there's guys I like on the defense. I think Brian Arapo had his best season in, Agreed. in five or six years this year. I like Jarrell Casey on the defensive line. I think Daquan Jones was very underrated this year as well. They need to sort out the secondary. Parrish Cox is not a starting quarterback, cornerback in this league even. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Griffin... Norris says, I mean, nobody there is really screaming at you. They should be starting in the NFL. So there are so many holes to fix. And actually, that's one of the things I think that was appealing about the Titans job is, yes, you have got Marcus Mariota, who looks like, and it's only been one season. Let's not forget, we've seen this in the past from various other quarterbacks. We, we have to give him a couple more years before we can truly judge him. But he looks like he could be a franchise quarterback. You've got a roster which needs overhauling, but high draft picks to do it with. It seemed like quite an attractive job. I just think the ownership really, really, because they're so desperate to sell, didn't want to go out and spend a lot of money on a guy. Damn, Titans, damn! I think that's enough Titans. <laughs> uh, and the other one that people wanted us to do, and I'm sure you can join in on this one immediately, Ollie, because uh, the other head coach signing that's happened, I think it happened before we did the last podcast, but we didn't talk about it very much, was, of course, in New York. And it was the fact that everyone expected them to go out and sign a big name. They got rid of Tom Coughlin, but no, instead it's Ben McAdoo, do, do, push by that bullshit. And that's what they wanted us to do, and I've done it once now, and I'm never doing it again. Brilliant. Uh, retired. <laughs> retired early. <laughs> retired after retired. one go. If he was a cricketer, it's retired hurt. Yeah, absolutely. So that's just a little bit I wanted to give you. Little flavour of what we've got on the soundboard as well. Should we talk about this weekend's games, Ollie? Oh, man, let's do it. Have you done some actual preparation? Well, I, You've got pieces of paper there and everything. I'm quite excited by this. When Did I you say, think that in this household we didn't have things like internet and uh, hot water? Well, no, I didn't bring my computer. So I, I, thought, just, I just fed you a delightful meal, by the way. Oh, it was really good. Yeah. Really good. Um, it was sp- spaghetti bolognese, and I brought some salad, which I was the only person that ate. You, you, two, are, <laughs> you two are a disgrace. Uh, there's like loads of really good stuff. There was like onions and, and garlic and stuff, and that's veg, oh, isn't yeah. it? It was really nice. Right. Thanks, mate. Uh, what order do you want to talk about the games? Should we do it in chronological order? Um, yeah. So we just get the Patriots out of the way. Yeah, I mean, okay. Let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs because obviously this weekend we've been dealing with Matt Sherry and his giant head getting all excited about what the Patriots are going to achieve and how. Oh man! I'm, by the end of it, I I turned off my Facebook notifications. <laughs> I couldn't hear him wax lyrical any more about the Patriots and how no one can beat them this year. Now I do have a I do have a genuine belief that you look at who else is in that AFC title game and either the Steelers or the Broncos whoever progressed don't match up well against the Patriots but actually I do believe that both Carolina and the Cardinals do but Tom Brady hit Rob Gronkowski with two touchdown passes and reached over the goal line for another score on Saturday to lead the Patriots to a 27-20 victory over the Chiefs. It's their fifth straight trip to a conference title game for the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, they'll meet the winner obviously of Pittsburgh Denver we'll talk about that game in a little while and as they try to become the first repeat NFL champs since they did it themselves in 2003 and 2004 um, Gronkowski with the two touchdown passes having spent two weeks recovering from knee and back injuries uh, uh, also had 82 yards off seven receptions uh, Kansas City had won a franchise record 11 games uh, including a 30-0 last week at Houston in the wildcard round but their season's over and actually you know we talked about retiring something we just need to bring it out one final time because the Chiefs this year, and we have to give some love to. Let's before we slate him. Let's just say Andy Reid has done an incredible job of turning that franchise around. Yeah, he, he from one and five to where they are now. Yes, they had talent, but to coach a team that well is so impressive. 
And what was he doing on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> the, the way that he wasted time at, at the end of both halves was just... It is baffling what what he was doing there, and we, he had the same problems when he was in Philadelphia. It's not something not new, and I think almost you've got to put some blame towards Alex Smith. Perhaps he should have said, "Look, we're going in to hurry up." Uh, we've, we've but there was there this. was like two fifteen left in the uh, in the fourth we took a quarter. Time out. They're, they're two uh, they're two uh, scores down, and you're huddling. You know there should be some kind of uh, uh, there is an incredible stat that they uh, that in their time together, Reed and Smith haven't put together a two minute a successful two minute drill yet. Wow! So actually, when the and play- that's amazing for the amount because you know when we go to practices when when the guys come over here, uh, and we know also that. In practice, they do regular two-minute drills up and down the field, offense versus defense. They do it without the de- without the defense, so the offense just runs through these two-minute drills to get from one side of the field to the other. And for that, that's an incredible stat. Uh, I, I, and the biggest problem I, I found, actually, I, I was stunned when the Patriots chose to throw the ball, and actually Brady nearly got picked off right at the depth there. Right at the death there. Uh, when that t- uh, pass got tipped up in the air, somebody on that Chiefs defense, and they missed, they left, for my money, four clear interceptions on the field. I, I think the Chiefs lost this game more than the Patriots won it, and I know I, I, I'll talk about what was positive about the Patriots, and there was a lot to be positive about, but they lost a lot of players to injury. They didn't have a particularly good pass rush, but Houston and uh, Tamba Harley look nowhere near the level that they've looked over the last couple of months. They struggled to get any pass rush going, and then leaving four interceptions on the field. You know, if they pick off two of those, and at least one of them was in a situation where it could have been a pick six, that turns that game around entirely. And yet they didn't get a turnover right till to, uh, there was no turnovers in this game till right towards the end. It was, it it was the most unstereotypical Chiefs defensive performance mm. that we've seen all season. Uh, and considering the Patriots threw the ball, I think they threw it 45 times to 10 runs or something like that. There were certainly 23 with two runs at half time. Um, uh, they went a little bit more balanced in the second half, but to not go with any balance whatsoever and somehow manage to to win this game was phenomenal. And the reason they won this game, and people want, this is why I mentioned Sherry, because he was talking all about how great that defence was. They ended the game without Collins, without Mayo, without Hightower, all off the field. We don't know how serious any of those injuries are. They may have just been rested because they had a bit of a lead at that point. Uh, and plus the Chiefs were taking 40 years to drive down the field. Uh, so that's potentially serious. And we've talked about how good their linebacking core is when all of them are fit, which is literally never. But this game was won because Tom Brady was his absolute precision best. He was mm. like the guy who in week eight we were calling the de facto MVP over Cam Newton and over Carson Palmer. He was unbelievable earlier on. Having Edelman back on the field, having Rob Gronkowski back on the field, gave him that extra little bit of confidence. And they had they had a lot of drops in this game, the Patriots. I think they had five drops overall but four of those came early on and whilst they were trying to click it looked like this was going to be tighter and then once he got his rhythm going uh, the, the the prime example is where they drove from being on their own two yard line and in about four plays they were in the red zone there was the long pass to Keyshawn Martin well, on the outside I want to talk to and- you about that because that was utter precision Keyshawn Martin it was a really well designed play because Keyshawn Martin had Rob Gronkowski running almost the same route as him and he he uh, the the fact that Gronkowski was there that took all of the attention from the the two uh, the two safeties in the corner that were the cov- that were covering both of them and the ball right over Gronkowski straight into Martin's hands 
in stride as well. It was a fantastic, fantastic pass. And that's how Brady was like that all night. Whereas on the other side of the ball, you had Alex Smith, who's been so reliable this year. And actually, in the first half, they still look to have that same ruthless efficiency. And what I found with the Chiefs' drives were that they were... This game, even though uh, you look at the scoreline, you see it's within a score, and then you look at the, the yards gained, and you see that actually the Chiefs outgained the Patriots right through until, I think, most of the way through the fourth. In fact, I think they did outgain the Patriots overall, just looking at it. And you, you kind of look at that and think this is a, a tight game, but it didn't feel that tight going into the fourth quarter mm. but in the first half the Chiefs were the more impressive team overall I thought they had those defensive opportunities they kept throwing away and they were building much more impressive slow playoff style drives those ones that eat a lot of clock that give you that bit of confidence but what seemed to happen every time was they were ruthlessly efficient until they got to around field goal range and then suddenly they'd go three and out with some bad play calling and, and a pass in the flat that gets shut down. And it was just, it seemed that every drive looked really impressive and then stalled late on. And, and it w must have been a very frustrating afternoon for Chiefs fans. But the Patriots advance, AFC Championship game, you would be hard to bet against Brady if he can perform like he did this week, taking them on and, and being in the Super Bowl again for the second year running. Ugh. What they are up against is a better defense. And I know it, it, that's saying something when it comes to the Chiefs and the Broncos, and you think that the parity's there. Actually, the Chiefs' defense wasn't that great. Um, Justin Howard, Justin Houston, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I like Justin Howard. Yeah, though. who's Justin Howard? No, Justin, <laughs> Justin Houston didn't have a tackle on the game. And that, you know, he was coming back from injury, and I think that showed. And I think the lack of pressure that they managed to get onto Brady, that really hurt them everywhere else on the field. And I think we'll see far more with Von Miller et al. Uh, in, in mile high. And let's, it is in mile high, and that is key. The, the Patriots are 18-4 and four now at the Gillette Stadium in, in playoff history. That is quite something. The fact that it, they're, they're going to have to leave there and go to mile high, all right, albeit against a, a misfiring offence. That game, I know people are saying oh, that the Patriots will win, but that game is closer than everyone everyone will make out. What's incredible about this uh, this game as well, Alex Smith threw over 45 times in this game, which just isn't an Alex Smith game. Uh, they've had such a good running game this season, particularly when Sarkandrick West and Spencer Ware came in for Jamal Charles. It looked like they weren't going to be that impressive. They managed to have a really good running game, but he threw over 45 times in this game, and uh, Alex Smith is 0-9 in his career whenever he throws over 45 yards. It's, it's not the way you want to put the game on his shoulders, and uh, certainly I am asked people online whether or not they felt that they um whether or not they they felt the uh, which teams wouldn't had the worst chance of not making the playoffs this season sorry my cat's doing adorable things over on the other side of the room and uh now it's drawing all of the attention away from the intelligent things i'm saying about football listen dude all of the dog people have just turned off oh, that is ridiculous though look at her I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I'm not even going to describe it. Uh, but, I, you know, from the Chiefs' perspective, the biggest thing they need to do this offseason is keep that defence together. Uh, Eric Berry, Jay Howard, Derek Johnson, Sean Smith, Tambahar Lee, all face uncertain futures. Five players represent more than 4,500 snaps this season and a big part of that foundation of that defence. Uh, they already started their offseason work, re-signed Alan Bailey to an extension. Berry and Howard figure to be the big priorities because of their age. Um... And I mean, Derek Johnston and Tamahali have been 
in Kansas City for so long and been such a big part of that franchise that you kind of hope that they'd go and sign a team-friendly deal even if they were going to see less time on the field. I think they're still impact players, but with their age, hopefully they don't go for money elsewhere because I don't want to see them in a, a Titans uniform or a, a Raiders uniform or one of those teams or a Browns uniform, someone that's going to go and spend... Or do you know a 49ers uniform, a mm. team that are going to have to go and spend big in free agency to, uh, to improve their roster. I should, before I start bagging on all these other teams, I should probably say how terrible my team are and throw that into the mix as well. So that's the big area for Kansas City in this off-season. Shall we talk? Well, I, I also... I th- Come on. I think they need another wide receiver. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> no, almost a given. If Laquan Treadwell or, or um, Corey Coleman managed to fall as far as, I don't know, what, what will it be, about 20, uh, 20, 24, 25, yeah, 26? Yeah, I think the Steelers were at 25. They, they tweeted that out last night. I haven't actually looked at the draft order yet, to be totally honest with you, so I don't know. But, but in that sort of region, mid-20s... Yeah, I mean, if, if someone can fall that far, like those two fall that far in the first round that could almost be something that they pick up because you can't rely on just Jeremy Macklin. As we've seen, Jeremy Macklin, Jeremy Macklin, he, he managed two catches. He was pulled pulled for the second the second half and that's a part of why the Chiefs couldn't get back into the game. Let's go Crackers with the Packers! <laughs> Saturday night. Wow. The NFC Divisional round game and maybe... And I've mentioned this game a couple of times this season already in defence of Alan Smith. But uh, in the last ten, five to ten years, this is up there with the, ge- with the um, Saints 49ers game for the craziest third and fourth quarter I've seen out of any playoff game, maybe ever, and certainly in this last ten years. Larry Fitzgerald first set up and then scored the winning touchdown on the third play of overtime on Saturday night, taking a five-yard do- uh, kind of shovel pass from Carson Palmer that lifted Arizona past Green Bay 26-20. But that wasn't the whole story. Aaron Rodgers, fourth and 20, backing into his own end zone, rolls out left, hits Jeff Janis with a 60-yard bomb, moves up the field, gets to the half, drops back again, looks like he's going to be sacked, spin moves out to the left, pings it into the end zone. Jeff Janis catches it again for his second Hail Mary of the season. This one tying the game, obviously the previous one, beating the Minnesota Vikings. And even then that wasn't the... You have to go back earlier to find the real craziness. Carson Palmer getting picked off in the uh, in the red zone looked like that was going to be the death of this game. It looked like a very silly pass from him. And yet the Packers couldn't kill it off. They drove down the field. Then there's a tipped ball uh, where uh, Randall, um, Demarius Randall comes across, makes a great defensive play. His tip loops up in the air and somehow just lands in the arms of Michael Floyd, which puts the Cardinals into the lead. This game had absolutely everything. It was incredible, but as an emotional journey for you, Ollie Hunter, how was it? (laughs) It was an emotional journey for me. It's so good, but it it still hurts. I haven't been able to watch it back, and I don't think I probably will. I, I, the, the, what we were talking about when you talked about the two Hail Marys earlier on, I watched it back today uh, because I was absolutely desperate to watch it back again. It's not because we had the podcast. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I love doing this, and I love speaking to you guys and all the interaction you give us on Twitter, at Gridiron and everything else. And I like going back and watching the games and knowing what I'm talking about and referencing specific plays and making notes of stats and everything else. But I watched this all for me. This was greed. This was me going back and going, I need to watch that second Mm. half again because it was so ridiculous. And 
considering it was 38-8 when these teams met back in week 16 and people were predicting a Cardinals blowout. This was... Well, not this guy. The, not only the game of the weekend, but probably the game of the season. Certainly the game of these playoffs so far. Brilliant stuff. Oh, it was, in, it was absolutely incredible. The Green Bay uh, offence... The question is, Sarah, did Ollie wake you up when the Hail Mary pass was thrown? No. Because I thought he might have done. I was very stifled. <laughs> I was really stifled. Uh, yeah, it was so seesaw and back and forth. Green Bay's offence, less uh, Devontae Adams, who was ruled out before the game. Randall Cobb was injured on probably the best play that get caught, that gets called back. Oh, the one-handed catch. The one I forgot about the that. The one-handed catch. He, he catches it, lands on his back. He's coughing up blood, uh, so he doesn't return. So Green Bay have to turn to Jeff Janis and Jared Abaderis and obviously uh, Old Man Jones. Um, the way that Rogers is well played, Eddie Lacy, Fat Eddie Lacy managed to Fat Eddie managed to get to get get some get rolling. The, the Green Bay literally rolling. That's the thing. The I incredible w- thing is that you know the offense weren't didn't click all all year really uh, until the Washington game didn't really click until Randall Cobb went out. But it was the defense that kept Green Bay. In the playoffs, in games, and actually, it was the defense that managed to to lose them the game with Larry Fitzgerald's seventy-five yard uh, dash up the middle, and then down the sideline, and then to the five-yard line in overtime. Uh, they, you didn't have the coin flip as well, which didn't flip it, this game. Literally, it had everything. By the way, uh, on so many points you had there that I need to get over the coin flip. They are so lucky that it was the same decision the second time because the rules state that the coin doesn't have to flip. It just has to be tossed. If that coin comes down, Green Bay, when he throws it the second time, and Green Bay go and score a touchdown, the Cardinals have genuine cause for complaint. None of this nonsense we have with the Patriots. I know that was not necessarily the Patriots' fault, but I'm just saying that it was their game that, that, mm-hmm. that they lost. Um, none of that nonsense, none, none of this kind of toing and froing. It would have outright been a terrible decision. And they got very, I thought, I actually thought at the time the referee handled it really well because I didn't know the rule. But being a saddle, I went and looked at the rules. And the, <laughs> the coin doesn't have to flip in the air. So that's ridiculous in itself. I think it's a, it was a ter- two great defenses, two defenses who yeah. uh, can ball hawk, two defenses that uh, have a decent pass. We didn't see a lot of good pass rush this weekend, but in this one game, we saw a good amount of pass rush. The players, the two offences in particular, and the players we need to talk about, first of all, Aaron Rodgers, ludicrous at the end of the game. I love that man. I do have to mention Fat Eddie Lacey, because on that run, the big run, the 60-odd yarder when he got down inside the 15, he did look like Vince Wilfork once he got into the open (laughs) field. It was ridiculous. He's a big guy. Um, and, And actually, Eddie Lacey 12 months ago, that's a touchdown. It is a touchdown, because he does have wheels. And, um... If you go back to some of his old college film in Bama, he he does he looks com- like he, literally he's half the person. <laughs> uh, very quickly, what do you think his favourite cake is? I reckon it's Victoria Sponge. I'm going Battenberg. Okay, fine. because I think he's a terrible person, uh-huh. and only terrible people like Battenberg. At uh, at Gridiron hashtag Fat Eddie i.e. Uh, tell us what uh, Eddie Lacy's favourite cake is. I forgot we had that discussion on Twitter <laughs> on Saturday night. We drank some nice vodka. It was good. Um, Jeff Janis, right? 
Jeff Janis is a guy who Aaron Rodgers said himself earlier in the year he's got breakout speed he's clearly a guy who can go deep but he just doesn't trust him yeah. to be in the right place at the right time and it's kind of uh, emblematic of what's been wrong with the Packers offense in that you need them to be in the right place at the right time because it's so based on single route schemes and so based on single players getting separation but he has been a demon on special teams this whole season and he really should have been in games earlier than this and that was shown with the plays he put in today and I I actually think if Jeff Janis James Jones comes in and makes the impact earlier on if they started to bleed Jeff Janis into the team more then you might have seen more from this Packers offense and you know maybe they win the NFC North maybe you know the whole situation changes in that they're at home games and, you know, maybe they lost to the Seahawks who knows but I just think that that single decision really kills them a little bit. It's quite interesting as well. We talked about the the Patriots being in a fifth straight AFC Championship game. You guys won the Super Bowl five years ago now. Mm -hmm. And since then, you've been to the playoff five times. And you've had some cruel losses. So the twice to the 49ers, the the 45-31 blowout, and also the really tight, really cold 23-21 game in Green Bay. Last season, that game with the Seahawks, where much like the game we're going to talk about, you the Seahawks gave you chance after chance early on. The difference was the Panthers converted those chances. You guys didn't. Settle for field goals. And, yeah. and kept, then, them, kept them in it. And then this game, which ends in the most ludicrous of fashions. Is there a kind of argument that the Packers fans have had it tough over the last few years? Yeah. Or... I think so. I think that's... A, that's, that's Am I being correct. too kind to you? No, it's usually correct because the way that we've been... You're not being hysterical. <laughs> the way that we've been going out... I always forgot this was this. I think it was BS. Yeah, it really was. Um, I think... This is great banter. Thanks, Will. The, the way that we've been going out has been harsh and has been... It, it's been tough to take. But as I said, you, you go out to... to to Larry it, it kind of doesn't matter I want to pick you up on the Jeff Janis thing I think that is a severe oversight by uh, the offensive coordinator and Mike McCarthy he by hook or by crook has to have been included before now uh, in the in that offense we've seen him do incredible things excuse me that's my tummy uh, <laughs> we've seen him do incredible it's amazing we're in South London we've had no sirens go by the window no we have not it, it, but the the way he's been performing, you said it on special teams, he has to have been uh, brought in. Yeah, We've been talking far too much about the Packers. I think the Cardinals, how do you how do you feel Carson Palmer did? on uh, did? Because if you look at it, 349 yards, three touchdowns, uh, 25 of 41. It sounds good. But sounds great. Watching the game, I think he, was, he looked like a guy who hadn't played for a week. Oh, by the way, Larry Fitzgerald is now the best postseason wide receiver of all time. The only postseason wide receiver to have uh, three over 150 yard games. And do you know what the first syllable of his surname is? Ho, 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 this magic. He is magic. Uh, <laughs> just sorry. Uh, Carlson Palmer, I think there were two elements to this game. Now, there was obviously the finger injury, which was heavily strapped. And there were times early on where he was releasing the ball and it didn't look like it was coming out comfortably. It looked mm -hmm. genuinely like he, uh, he waved on a couple of throws. I'm trying to think of specific examples, but it happened consistently in the first half. And clearly, I think that finger was troubling him to an extent. But even more so, Carlson Palmer, just became on Saturday night the, um, the the player who it's taken the long the most number of starts in the NFL to win a playoff game in 23 years or something like wow. that like he's third all time on the list obviously there's some guys who start in the NFL yeah 80 90 100 games and never win a playoff game but 
the longest time it's taken somebody to win a playoff game. And the fact is that when he went there with the Bengals and he got the horrendous injury against the Steelers, uh, and then he obviously kicked around the league with the likes of the Raiders, this there was an element with him today where there was a, I felt on Saturday where it felt like there was a monkey on his back where it felt like he was really trying to prove a point and he was they've been so aggressive this year and it, that's exactly how they should be playing they've got such speed in the receiving core they've got those the young guys in John and Jerome Brown and Michael Floyd has had probably his best year as a receiver in the league this year Fitzgerald has been phenomenal you know there's every reason for that team to play aggressively David Johnson coming out of the backfield running and catching the ball but he but he almost played too aggressively he was trying to force it in at times uh, the red zone pick which I already referenced was a terrible terrible decision and a bad throw and actually Actually, I think that not blowing the Packers out in this game, much like we're going to talk about the Panthers in a moment, I actually think them having this bit of a scare as a team who's had a week off, had the bye week, now has to go into Carolina where he can't make those mistakes. Even with Carolina having a couple of their starting corners out, you really can't make those sort of mistakes. I think that he... This is... It's, hopefully, this has given them the slap in the face and the shake to life that they need. And then just to give him props off the back of that the play he does make to Fitzgerald for that <laughs> 70 yard catch That's what, yeah I was going to reference that as well incredible stuff where he spins out of the uh, you know the, the line breaks down the free rusher gets up the middle I, I, I want to say it was Mike Daniels it probably wasn't I, I, I just think he's had such a good season maybe I'm thinking it was him um, the to make that spin move and then roll out to the right and then throw across his body to an open Fitzgerald uh, his eyes are always down the field and similarly to Russell Wilson and we saw him do it again in the second half against the, uh, against the Panthers this weekend whenever a play blows the really great quarterbacks always keep their eyes downfield they're always looking for that guy who's going to get open because you know that somebody has to do something to get open because by that point the the routes have been run the coverage has been played and unless a completely blown coverage has happened somebody should be covering everyone mm. and so somebody gets open you need to have your eyes downfield you need to spot that guy you need to get the ball out and Palmer did that brilliantly on that play and it's a difficult throw across his body and it's the sort of throw that when Aaron Rodgers makes it everyone goes oh he's the best quarterback in the league we've got to give him a lot of love for all that he's doing there and that was an incredible throw and hopefully Palmer builds on that next weekend because this NFC Championship game looks pretty 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 tasty how much of you wants that wants that to be the Super Bowl game? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, do you want it? Do you want it as a percentage or? A... I would like it in in um, in visual hand form. In, in that much in, or well, that much in visual hand form isn't a very good podcasting way. No, of but doing I, it. I quite like it. Okay, so if the scale is say here, yeah, to here, yeah. I'm out here for okay. how much I want it to yeah. be the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think that works on podcasts. I, I hate, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, a general rule, hate people who ever use something oh, that over 100, I get it 110% is one of the worst sports cliches. It really naffs me off. But I lo I've really enjoyed these two teams this year. I think they've both had incredibly impressive seasons. And actually, I look at all four teams going into championship game and I think you add the Bengals into the mix. These are four of the five best teams in the league this season, and that's great. It's the first time the one and two seeds have faced off in both championship games since 2004 when it was the um, uh, Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl and the Eagles played the Falcons, and I think the Patriots played the Steelers in the AFC Championship game. It's the first time it's happened since then, and this game... 
I at halftime felt I, I stayed off Twitter because I didn't show no uh, I, I don't hide my 49ers love in any way shape or form and I'm not ashamed to be you. a fan I, you know, I, I like that as long as you're not a painful Homer fan who can only pick their team and is realistic about their team which I'd like to think I am uh, maybe not all the time but <laughs> <laughs> but I get some stick from Seahawks fans on Twitter, and most of it very good-natured, and most of it is good fun. But I knew if I jumped on Twitter when this game was, say at halftime, 31 nothing to the Carolina Panthers, I was just setting myself up for a hiding. So I just stayed off, kept my mouth shut, reveled in it, and then we went on air with Five Live. And then gradually, as that second half second went time on... time he's mentioned it today. It beca- <laughs> <laughs> I'd only mentioned uh, Gridiron once on the show on Five Live yesterday. And- <laughs> you terrible man. Unbelievable. When, when I did mention it as well, I wasn't actually allowed to mention what it was called because it's the BBC and technically we're a commercial outlet. So I'd say, the other, I, I, what I was talking about, uh, what Jason Lackenfora had said to me about Rob Ryan, and I said, for the other show, and, the, and Nat went, yep, don't mention the name, that's fine, carry on, no plugs here. And uh, uh, it was... Like, he did it as a joke. Somebody immediately tweeted in, at Fizzy Dave loves Gridiron. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was brilliant. We love Fizzy um, Dave. I bet but, Fizzy Dave loves uh, Fizzy Water. Good, um, get out. Literally get out of my house. I can finish this off. I was going to buy some Fizzy Water and then I decided not to because I thought you'd <laughs> chuck me out. Sarah, mm-hmm. Ollie prefers Fizzy Water to still. <coughs> With a meal? Soda water. Yeah, he prefers... He would rather have sparkling water... Than have still water. Just no, exactly. We did a, a Twitter poll on it, and uh, I think one person backed Ollie, and about seventy people backed uh, Stillwater. So you're such, a, you're such an embellisher. It wasn't that. Uh, well, we're doing another Twitter poll tonight, and, and we'll see how those numbers come out, shall we, Ollie Hunter? Uh, but this so. What? Sorry. <laughs> so the Carolina Panthers built the 31 uh, point halftime lead, but barely held off Seattle's relentless comeback, beating the Seahawks 31 24 on Sunday. Carolina now host Arizona uh, ne- next week for a trip to the Super Bowl. Jonathan Stewart returning from a foot injury scored two touchdowns. The first touchdowns Seahawks have conceded against a runner on the road in two seasons. Jump starting the Panthers with a 59 yard sprint on their very first play of the game, setting the tone for this one. Cam Newton threw a touchdown and fellow All-Pro Luke Keekley ran in an early interception. What a first-half performance it was. And for Carolina going forwards, regardless of... Uh, we'll talk about how you feel about their comeback coming into this, but Jonathan Stewart, back fit, after taking four or five weeks off, he looked brilliant. He's the first uh, running back to get 100 yards against Seattle since Jamal Charles in Week 11 of last season. Wow. You know, that is incredibly impressive. They are the best run defense in the league on paper. He had a brilliant day. Seattle obviously had a great second half. Russell Wilson threw three touchdowns, two to Jermaine Curse. You had that ridiculous catch uh, from uh, Tyler Lockett, who looks like a hell of a player who they picked up the rookie wide receiver. So I nearly had an old fashioned rookie wide receiver moment then. I haven't done that for a couple of years. It would have been very uh, prudent at this time of year. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I've left my own phone on uh, earlier on when I heard Sarah go off I, I felt oh. naughty but now mine's going off and you're, it's Mike White as well you're the NFC disgrace unbelievable um, yeah so positives there and there were positives for the Seahawks in the way they came into it 
is there some concern that this is probably think about the Giants game think about the Colts game you think about this game the Panthers have built big leads in three or four games this season and let those games come to within a score is there some concern that the Panthers aren't able to finish games off or do you look at it and go hold on they've won 16 games this season that's nonsense I think it's almost a bit of both. I know I'm sitting on the fence there, but... Yeah, how, how, how are those splinters in yeah, your ass? Yeah, I know, whoa. Um, but the fact that they haven't managed to finish teams off convincingly, that is a bit of a concern. But as you said, they have won 16 games. So it, I think when you are up so far, 31, 31 to nothing at the half, you get into this mindset. You get into a mindset of it's almost we don't have to try as hard and i know that if you said that to any of these these guys on defense or on offense uh they they would shoot you down straight away but there is some sort of mindset it's like in in football you go ahead you automatically uh, as the as you've got 5 minutes to go automatically you become a back 7 uh, you know and <laughs> and a camped on your own uh, own penalty box it was a bit like this uh, we saw it with the packers last year against seahawks against the seahawks again they went into the prevent defense mode and i think actually the whole team went into a bit of prevent and that i think because they were so far ahead they found it difficult to to stretch that out and but to kill the game off and Cam Newton I mean Cam Newton came out afterwards and said first of all he kept saying the tight butts thing which was hilarious and uh, I don't care how childish it is the fact that in 20 seconds he said tight butts three or four times was brilliant to me Uh, but he complained about the lack of aggression on offense in the second half and the fact that they almost went too bad. And okay, some of that falls on him. He can change plays at the line of scrimmage from what he sees from the defense. And the Seahawks aren't a defense that particularly disguise well. They're a brilliant defense, but they're not a disguising defense because they don't blitz a lot of the time. They tend to get great pressure with just four guys up front. So they don't have to blitz. And they tend to have quite straightforward coverages. They're just very good at those coverages. Mm. So you actually, Actually, the ability to change the line of scrimmage, he could have done a lot about that. But it's a, it's funny to me that Riverboat Ron, of all people, is going conservative in the second half of these games when he's known as being a guy who's not conservative. And actually, the way that the Seahawks nearly got back into this one, they got the two touchdowns very early in the, in the second half, and then they went for the brilliant fake punt. Oh, it was great, wasn't it? And that was actually the moment where I thought, oh, God, the Seahawks really are going to do this. Of course, they tried to keep the onside kick at the end. Thomas Davis is absolutely incredible uh, in the linebacking core and and we said after those three ACL surgeries as well he's on the hands team makes the catch the game is over um i i think the panthers i don't i'm not that concerned about it i think partially because i don't think they'll get a big lead against either of these teams if they win next weekend against the cardinals um and they face off against either of the teams in the afc i think these next two games will be played tight no matter who they play. I can't see blowouts in what in the games that they've got left coming up. So that's not an issue in itself. But the amount of talent on the Panthers, and particularly on the defence, there's some con- there's some concern. Because Charles, T- Charles Tillman and Benny, uh, Ben Wickery are both out at corner, and they've only really got Josh Norman. I think... Um, uh, they had Cortland Finnegan came in and he was a bit of a liability. In, well, no, that's nonsense. He was a complete liability in the second half. Um, and the other uh, young chap they had come in as well, uh, twenty, whose name is going to completely escape me now, so I'll just let it. Um, uh, there's definitely issues at corner and they can be picked on and that could be a big problem against the Cardinals. But the interior of their defence, K1 Short and Starlo Tolele, just gave 
Russell Wilson, no time at all in the first half. They were incredible. Both picked in the same draft in 2013 in the first and second round. They're stacked at linebacker. Shaq Thompson's come in. And it's interesting that Shaq Thompson and Thomas Davis are both former safeties because those guys play coverage. They play run. They play man. They play zone. They can do absolutely everything. Keekley is a genuine superstar. He's, he's, mm. a, he's a player in the Rafael Nadal mode where if he wasn't born at the same time as JJ Watt, we'd be talking about him consistently as Defensive Player of the Year. He has been ludicrously good. So I think they're stacked enough that it shouldn't be an issue, but it particularly at corner, we've just got to watch out for how high-powered that Cardinals offense is. And we'll get on to that game next weekend. For the Seahawks... Well, Trey Boston, I think, is the guy that you were trying to remember. It is. Well done. Thank you, Ollie. <laughs> I'm glad that you uh, you Googled that while I was waffling on. But with, I, this, with the Seahawks, you're right. And as much as you know, the Panthers let that, that lead slip or, or gave up 24 unanswered points, that's because Russell Wilson suddenly started playing lights out again. I mean... He, we what we saw today, or, or sorry, on on Sunday, was the the future of the NFL quarterbacks. Wise, we we'll see next we'll see next week um, Brady versus Manning. It's it's an old the old hands. You know, it, it, it's 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 the seventeenth time they faced each other. It's the sixth time in the postseason. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. What the, it's what the NFL was. Cam Newton versus Russell Wilson, and especially the, the way that the, the teams are made and how good they are, that's a rivalry that will pro- probably match and then maybe even eclipse the Brady-Manning thing. I, it was just wonderful. And I do think uh, uh, the Seahawks are a team who uh, a lot of Seahawks fans were kicking off about things like the East Coast start time, having to travel for an early kickoff. Yeah, they would, wouldn't These... they? You didn't, you didn't hear Pete Carroll complain, and you... You didn't. You may have thought you might have done, but you didn't hear Pete Carroll complain about that after the game. Pete uh, Ca- the, the state of the field stuff was the stuff that annoyed me the most. It's a game which is meant to be played on grass. Like, ask anyone who plays rugby, it's almost better in the mud. OK, there were a couple of slips, but you've got to avoid those mistakes. That's part of the game. And you wear the right cleats. And, Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think the Seahawks, obviously, uh, they, they locked up a lot of guys this season. OK, they spent big on, uh, on bringing in Jimmy Graham. That didn't necessarily work out so well. We need to know that Thomas Rawls is going to come back and look like he did over that five or six game stretch when he was unbelievable this year. Lynch is gone. That's his last game in yeah. Seattle. He's an 11.5 million cap hit. There's no way they're going to spend that money on a guy who's 31, 32 years old who's not been good this year. Not not only has he been injured, but when he's not been injured, he's not been good. Um, so they, they need to give... And, and then there's uh, on the offensive line, Russell Okung, J.R. Sweezy, both free agents. So they need to go out and spend big on offense in this draft and potentially in free mm-hmm. agency as well. Improve the line, get a second running back in to uh, either compete with rules or work together in, a, in some kind of committee situation. Uh <laughs> And I, I want to talk committee about the next game, actually, because uh, Jeremy Hill's tweet really threw me. Um, but uh, the Seahawks are a team who are going to go to the playoffs. Should do. If they don't implode for the next five or six years, no problem. Yeah, agree. And keep hold of Carroll, I think. Um, I, I know <laughs> we, we don't like Carroll. Uh, but I was actually kind of pleased with the way he conducted himself in that post-match um, in that post-match. A press conference he, he said we made a mess of the first half we look at this game as a microcosm of the season we struggled so much earlier on in the season to get going and it took us a long time but when we finally did we caught fire and got rolling everyone in here just feels like we ran out of time I don't think you could put 
put it any better for the whole season of the Seahawks and that game. It, it, for once, Pete Carroll, I salute you and your gum. <laughs> uh, let's get on to the late game on Sunday then and this was our game on 5 Live uh, the Pittsburgh bing, bing. Steelers at the Denver Broncos and do you know what are they sponsoring us by the, the way 5 Live <laughs> because you've said their name enough the Steelers went into this uh, went into the fourth quarter leading this game 13-12 and there was so much talk about was this oh. going to be the end of Peyton Manning in the NFL well after being bang average for three quarters not bad and I will defend that to the hilt. Not bad. Below average. Eight drops he had before the fourth quarter. If Brock Osweiler was on the field, played the exact same game as Peyton Manning and had eight drops, all people would be doing would be apologising for him. All people would be yep. doing was saying it's not his fault. With Peyton Manning, they're putting all the blame on his shoulders. But do you know what? He put together a couple of great drives at the end of the game. Pittsburgh turned the ball over. He drives down. He wins the game for the Broncos. And he wins the game for the Broncos. The defence was good on the day. The Steelers' defence was actually good on the day, even though they didn't do what I thought they should do. And... and frustratingly for the Steelers they saw that Peyton Manning clearly doesn't have the arm strength anymore it was windy it was difficult to throw the ball and I was really really annoyed that the Steelers didn't blitz because if they brought a corner in if they'd gone with Shazier in a corner and blitzing off one side not only are you forcing Peyton Manning to make quick decisions and Okay, in previously in his career, because of his cerebral nature, he's been the guy you don't want making quick decisions because he'll find the open man. He's 26th against the Blitz this season. He has slowed down not just physically, but I think he's slowed down upstairs as well. Um, and if you're bringing a corner Blitz, you're making him throw to the outside. Well, arm strength comes into it then. So just bring William Gay off that corner. I don't care if you're doing it every single time. Just throw absolutely everything at him and actually I think the Steelers would have won this game had they been a bit more aggressive the first sack of the game for either team didn't come until well into the third quarter but it finished after the Broncos fumble ironically after the uh, sorry <laughs> the Broncos fumble after the Steelers fumble ironically a similar way to the way that Steelers beat the uh, beat the Bengals last weekend Peyton Manning drove down the field they beat the Steelers 23 to 16 and I think there's positives from this game for the Steelers going forwards. Uh, I, I I think they were probably the weakest team left in the playoffs at this point. Yeah. Partially because of their injuries, partially because of their defence. They need to do a lot of work on the secondary. Uh, I, I just don't see... Uh, yeah, because that front three is decent. That front three is really good. They're also um, losing. William Gay, Will Allen, Anton Blake and Brandon Boykin. They're all free agents. You wouldn't want to bring back more than two out of the four of them anyway. Well, I think Gay, probably. Uh, I think uh, the guys, the colour commentators on uh, um, yesterday said that Mike Tolbert, oh, they normally rotate all of the safeties and the corners around. He's the only guy that you keep on, that, that Tolbert keeps on. And he's kind of like the heartbeat of that team. OK, he gave up a, a couple of big penalties, but he came back and... and made some big plays as well. I think Gay's probably the only one out of those four that's an absolute definite nailed on should stay. And I think Mike Mitchell's had a really good season at safety as well. He, there was one play in particular in the second half where uh, Manning actually had, it, it was on a fourth and five and they'd had two drops in a row from the uh, Fowler, the young receiver yeah. in Denver. Um, he'd dropped the ball twice in a row, one on a big outstretched pass, which admittedly was more difficult, but the second was very, very catchable. He didn't make the catch. And then on fourth and five he completes a pass to uh, Emmanuel Sanders Sanders turns to go upfield and he probably was one step away from being a runner and it being a fumble and Mike Mitchell 
uh, with a clean, legal and brilliant hit, just smashes the ball out. And at that point, I thought that was going to be the play that won the game for the Steelers. If they hadn't fumbled, maybe it would have ended up being a different game. So there's loads of really big positives to take from the Steelers. The way you've performed when you've not had Antonio Brown, when you've not had D'Angelo Williams, when you've not had Le'Veon Bell in your team, if you can stay healthy and keep those guys on the field, they should be a team which go on a deep playoff run next year based on the talent if they go out and make the improvements on defence. And I think Keith Butler as well has had an impressive first season. I think he's called well on the defence. He's just not had the talent to necessarily do what he needs to do. And when you're coming out of the shadow of a coach who has been there for so long as Dick LeBeau was and was so set in his ways and had such a system and you're trying to show differences but still carry on the Steeler tradition and Mm. you're losing those players like Polamalu and, and, and... uh, Ike Turner and guys like that have been there for so long. It's a difficult situation, and they've done really well with a difficult situation. And I think they grow from here and become a better team. Yeah, I can't argue with that in any way. I think. Look um, at me giving the Steelers all sorts of love. Well, Martavis Bryant. Yeah, you're a disgrace. <laughs> Martavis Bryant had an incredible game. I but mean, you know what? He had two. Uh, again, a talking drops. He had two big drops early on, and I thought, oh god, they're going to lose this game because Martavis Bryant can't catch a frigging ball. That didn't end up being the case. In in the end he well, really picked it, it pulled his socks up and performed later on but so i don't know if it was the wind or what but this game was so many drops in it, it well as ridiculous. much as bryant was great nine uh, nine receptions 154 yards uh, 40 on the ground as well marcus uh, marcus wheaton wow what a tricky day there's actually special teams for D, uh, for the steers probably lost them the game i think uh, all right fitzgerald Toussaint uh, fumbled in in the in the final the dying embers and the poor lad, the amount of times they cut to him, he was in tears. And there was the brilliant no moment. No one likes that. The brilliant moment where Ben said, we were not in this position without you after your performances the last two weeks. Yeah. So don't feel bad. That was great leadership from the uh, the wizened old quarterback. But Wheaton, as uh, as the punt returner, was horribly exposed. Uh, he, he fumbled a ball, he dropped another one. Um, some of the decisions in fair catches... Uh, Put uh, one especially put them down at the five yard line, um, or their own five yard line. So that wasn't great. And then, uh, then punting as well was was horrendous. The, the, the I pun- thought the punting all weekend was uh, other than Colquitt for the Chiefs. Punting was bad all over the don't, league this weekend. Don't talk to me about Mass Day. I think Mass Day is terrible. Um, but it, it's uh, it's the guy. Yeah, Jordan Berry. He had two punts in conce- in succession of twenty seven yards each. That is dreadful. Okay. <laughs> and also, I don't know whether you picked up on this on on the um, on, on on the coverage. Punt watch. watch. Oh, watch. On the coverage, they had is it Jay Feely, an ex uh, an ex punter kicker who was probably the worst sideline guy that you could ever have. Um, Not- I wasn't listening to the coverage because. Uh- I was uh, uh, somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but he, they kept going to him for every kicking uh, or punting issue, and uh, he had no insight whatsoever. Oh, it was dre- from what I heard on Twitter, it was absolutely dreadful. So it's Manning Brady 17 next weekend, and the Broncos, from what we saw in this game, might just get eaten alive in that one. Actually, we, you talked about their defence being the key and what desperately they need and what the Chiefs couldn't do this weekend is to get Brady off his centre and pass rush and pressure him some more. I know he gets the ball out quicker than anyone in the league, but that dropped off in a big way this season when he had lost those injuries. And I 
do think he's starting to lose the tiniest bit of a step. And I know, you know, when you compare what him and Manning have done and look at his age and everything else, there's no arguing that Brady has been the best quarterback in the league the last 15 years and arguably the best all time. Um, I also hate when people say arguably, yet I seem to be saying it quite a lot today. Uh, But there's enough talent on the Broncos' defence that they can beat them in mile high. They did it earlier in the season. I I just think it's going to be the... I I know we'll talk about it in more depth later in the week and we'll have guests on and everything else like we always do on the Later in the Week podcast. But yeah, I, I can't... Right now, I'm going Patriots Panthers in the Super Bowl. Double P. I want it to be the Cardinals just because of Larry Fitzgerald, but I like both sides of the NFC game. I'm annoyed that the AFC game and the NFC game are the way round they are next weekend. Even though last year I was annoyed because they put the good game first. This year I'm annoyed they put the good game second because I'll be sleepy at that point. Yeah, especially with the amount of blue moon you'll be having. I'm not going to be drinking heavily. <laughs> there were. <laughs> oh, I must have some kind of sound effect that's good for, for that. For wind, man. <laughs> Let's find out. Hold on. Keep keep talking, Ollie. Can't find we just get to Sarah about. to do a sound effect of just her staring? <laughs> no, that's lightning. Damn it. No. Waves. Ah. Waves. But you've just pressed all the buttons now. <laughs> You're an absolute disgrace. But um, but so the so the good game the the Cardinals. Panthers game's the second game. Panthers Cardinals is the late game. And I see why they've done that though, because if well, it was also, it was already great... booked. It was already booked as the late yeah. game, and yeah. I think a lot of people didn't expect it to be Manning Brady. I, I was uh, maybe somebody can answer this at Gridiron on Twitter. I think maybe they just flip it every every year because I can't work out how else they maybe do it. Last year it was NFC as the early game, AFC as the late game. It was decided weeks ago, so there must have some system to it. It's interesting. But you'd like to think that they would go, let's wait until these games are finished this weekend and then tell people what... Like, you don't know what location your playoff game is going to be until after all the playoff games are finished. Mm. So why should it matter if the time difference is three or four hours difference when you don't even know the location up until that point? Yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe... (sighs) Yeah, thanks. That's apparently a harp. Anyway, that one was horrible. Yeah, I did not like that. I'm going to do that in your ear every now and again and see if you notice. Don't do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that is the weekend's games. Ollie, I'm, I'm trying to think, is there anything else to talk about? Was there any news today? I, I'm going to be honest. We put in an offer on a house uh, yesterday. Did and, we? And uh, <laughs> me and Ollie are moving <laughs> right. in together. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not living in your hobbit hole. Um, not because your house is your house is lovely, but those doorways are not designed for a man of my stature and size. Nope. You are uh, right. They are designed <laughs> for someone of your size, which if anyone's met us both is not big. It's not big. <laughs> yeah, you are right. Again. <laughs> uh, whereas I am very big. Again, you are right. Thank you. Uh, there's no... I, I'm just having a quick look through the news. Uh, apparently Brad Childress is going to be the new offensive coordinator at the Chiefs. Brilliant. That's fine. Ron Rivera has banned hoverboards from the Panthers facility. Okay. Uh, right. 
Carroll doesn't regret going for it versus the Panthers in the second quarter. Are we clutching at straws? We are clutching should at some just, massive straws right now. Should we just um, end the podcast? Yeah, so I'm not going to yeah. lie. Like I say, we've put an offer in on a house. We're waiting to hear on it all day. It looks like we're in a nice position if we up our offer slightly. So we'll find out tomorrow morning. I'll let you know later in the week if we've bought a new house. And if we have, not going to lie, you'll probably be hearing a lot more podcasts done like this because me and Ollie are going to be living both much more outside of London than we are right now. Uh, but I promise there'll be better acoustics in the room we're sat in right now, which has the highest ceilings. Maybe we should have done it in the back room. Maybe we should have done it in the back room. Maybe I should have sat against the wall like you have so the acoustics were much better. But you know what? Let us know if it's worked out at Gridiron on Twitter. Let us know that the quality was acceptable for you because certainly we're going to be doing this in a hotel room in San Francisco in just a couple of weeks' time. Between now and then, there are only two more podcasts previewing the championship games and then reviewing the championship games and starting to look forward to the Super Bowl before we fly out to San Francisco. It's so exciting. I'm so excited. Ollie. Is there anything else you want to add to the show? It's nice to actually have a conversation with you because <laughs> when I arrived, I said, oh, I've got this to say. Oh, save it for the pod. Oh, I'll, I'll just talk about it. And then I actually wanted to save this whole thing that I'm talking to you about for the pod anyway. What, talking about <laughs> not, us not talking to each other for yeah, the pod? Exactly. I, I self-edited when I was, uh, was helping you plate up in the kitchen. Uh, so you make me sound much more of a chef. Spaghetti bolognese is one of the probably the easiest meals to cook. Oh, that's a very good one, though. Uh, have it, you got anything else to say? I have been seeing two films this weekend. Oh, what did you see? I uh, went Oscar heavy. Uh, on Saturday, me and Sarah went to see Room. Not The Room, which I kept calling it, which is, of course, the Tommy Wiseau classic. Oh, hi, Mark. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go and... Of course uh, it was. Go and YouTube The Room, hi, Mark, and you'll see one of the funniest... Bit scenes from a film of all time, but Ru- I went saw Room on Saturday. I saw The Revenant today Ooh. with uh, Leo and Alejandro Inorato. Like? Uh, t- uh, t- let's talk about The Revenant first. Then um, The Revenant was intense. Uh, it was t- too long. First and foremost, it was a good half an hour too long. Um, it was. Uh, violent it was intense it was visceral it had an incredible opening sequence and uh the the now infamous bear sequence was so brutal and the the whole film really uh, was like it, it needs to be seen in a cinema on a huge screen and i love inaratu i was a huge fan of gravity uh birdman was my favorite film i saw in 2014 hands down it's a great movie i think i saw it? on like the 29th of december and i was like that's my favorite film of the year <laughs> Um, it, uh, this for me is the weakest of his three, Ooh. but that's not necessarily a terrible thing. And partially, I think I feel that way because I saw Room on Saturday, and Room is the film that of the ones I've seen, and I think I've seen maybe five or six of the eight that are nominated for best film. Room is the film I want to win the best film Oscar. It has got some of the best directing I've seen in films in years. It's got two of the best central performance is Brie Larson who I already absolutely adore anyway yeah, why do I I love her um, as well she is f- a phenomenal actress and brilliant in this and Jacob Tremblay I mean they gave Kovanjane Wallace um, an Oscar nomination for Beasts of the Southern Wild and how he's not getting an Oscar nomination for this performance if you don't know the premise uh, it is to do it to do with a child who's five years old who's never known anything outside of a single room. And, and this is not a spoiler alert because the the director wants you to know this. <laughs> You've listened to Kermode and Mayo as well. Then. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, he spends he's five years old and all he knows is this single room. And what it turns out is actually that his mother, uh, played by Brie Larson, was uh, kidnapped at the age of seventeen and locked in this room. And he is the product of her being raped by the guy who kidnapped her. 
Hunter. Now, this sounds like the most horrendous two hours of cinema you could possibly watch. But do you know what? And Sarah will back me up on this, even if it's only with nods. You come out of that film uplifted, you come out of it you, with your spirits raised. Like, we sat there in silence for like five minutes after the film, and I've not had a day since where I've not thought about it in some depth. I absolutely adored it. It's, it's such a wonderful study of innocence. It's so truthful, so human. I absolutely loved it to pieces. I thought it was uh, it's brilliant. Ab- just brilliant. And Are you if, there aren't, if there aren't awards thrown at it, I, I think... I, I, it's been weird actually recently I've, not, I've been someone who normally will openly cry in the cinema and I don't have a problem with it I found myself not quite getting to it's like films get me to the edge and I don't quite tip over into full on tears but I was close four or five times during the room it was splendid to make it nice and British well I will go and watch it this week good okay. I'm glad marvellous I'll come and see it with you if you want uh, yeah well, gonna well, again you're going to go watch it again I will go, I would, I'd probably go and see it again anyway after the trailer I don't think I'll go and watch Star Wars four times like, like I'll go and see it watch it four times like I did with Star Wars yeah but I still need probably might go and see Star Wars a fifth time I might go and see it for a third time <laughs> Have you seen it four times now? Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Uh, anyway uh, Ollie I ask you one final time is there anything you would like to add? No Well, in which case, we will see you all in four or five days' time. Thank you so much for listening. As always, go out and check out Sports Travel Tours, as you heard from Andrew last week. They've got some brilliant packages coming up for the London Games, but also starting to put stuff together for next season as well. We'll have our tour as and when the uh, the schedule comes oh, out I'm so excited so about that so start saving for that putting some pennies in the pot for that one uh, because that's going to be brilliant our Super Bowl party find out more information at gridiron-magazine.com forward slash Super Bowl 50 we've been tweeting out regular links to it plenty of tickets still available I think VIP is nearly sold out group with bowling has already sold mm-hmm. out but of the regular tickets I think we've sold about 50% of the allocation now that's the most we've ever sold this far in advance and we haven't announced who the player is going to be yet because we should be finding out from NFL UK this week who's going to be coming over for it there'll be a meet and greet with an NFL legend uh, obviously the game you can bowl it's going to be a great night so definitely come and check that out at Gridiron on Twitter to interact with me and Ollie at Ollie Hunter at Will Gav if you want to interact with us directly and maybe you know make sure that the other person doesn't see it. if you want to slag the other one off I'm absolutely fine with that I'll tell you don't worry buddy I tell you yeah good, good. Don't, don't tell them otherwise Thank you very much for listening, and as a nice calming ending to the show, because I haven't got any music ready, enjoy the sounds of the forest. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. There's more! Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play for-to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full-time supply, 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org.